you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, It turned out to be two blocks away from the, the one with the sub basement. Yes, yeah. or just the basement. The basement. <laughs> sub there might be a sub basement. Well, I started to say only, sub floor, in but that's around. only for members. Uh, yeah, that, uh, and or very bad customers. Things get weird. Uh, yeah, it turned out to be two blocks away from where they uh, are yeah. doing Harry Potter and the right. Cursed Child. Right. So that's um, that's the West End, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it was a cool. It was a cool place. I. Uh, what I found interesting was they were very picked. We went on a Wednesday, and they were already very picked over by like eleven thirty, as far as uh, toys so forth. So like, well, those Wednesday their drop day, or is it Tuesday? Wednesday is their drop day, yeah. and the interesting thing is, we went downstairs to, to the books and and the comics, and they said because there was a sign up that said because of the May Day holiday, we'll be sorting through new comics throughout the day. Okay. So as we were walking around, it's like the new comics racks were empty except for three titles. Okay. And so I was like, all right, you know. And then I looked, I went over to see if they had a Titan uh, Doctor Who's in hardcover, and they didn't. Not their fault. They had a lot of prose books, though. I mean, oh yeah, you know, we did. We bought uh, the. We picked up the Neil Gaiman short story, "How the Marquis Got His Coat." Oh. So. Uh, yeah. Has that not been published in the U.S.? Uh, no, it is not. Okay. I did not know that it had actually been published, it, that it had been bound. That's I, the marquee from yeah, Everywhere? Yeah, the, mar- the marquee Dick Gravis. So this bonus story, I can't remember wh- what he wrote it for. Um, yeah. You know, some magazines, but we found a little slender, uh-huh. uh, separate edition of that. And then, um, but the interesting thing is, like, then three blocks south of that is Orbital, which won the Eisner Spirit of Retailer Award. Oh. So we went to Orbital Comics, which is... Not nearly as uh, obvious, okay. I just say because you go to Forbidden Planet, it's like huge, and yeah. they had they had their own cover for Action Comics One Thousand, which is all over the window. You know, you can you can ask for it at the counter. Um, I'm going to guess the Transformers novel, by the way, is not selling well because they were just giving those away with every purchase. <laughs> Uh, so I have the Transformers novel, nice, and uh, but Orbital was. I walked in, and that was like walking into comics and comics in 1977. Really? It felt so good. Forbidden Planet is a slick, great, oh, yeah. great store yeah. for, you know, the people that aren't it's sure. It's like everything. Toys. Yeah, and it, yeah it's, it's the Toys R Us of comics. T-shirts. And, and sorry for anybody listening who, you know, would say, oh, Toys R Us. Toys R Us. But, but Orbital was... So it make I think it's the for the only store outside of the U.S. that has won the Eisner Spirit of Retailer. Oh, okay. and 
it's obvious why. They say Forbidden Planets is Flickstore, it's a great store. Sure. Orbital, you could feel that was a community. Art classes in the back. Uh-huh. Uh, the back issues up on the ra- uh, up on the shelves and just you know it was, like I said, it felt like comics comics because it was all like stuff from the 70s 60s uh, the Howard the Duck Treasury edition was in when the, you say comics corner. and comics which one are you talking in Palo about Alto okay the, you know so which I'm sure the others felt that way that was the only one I'd ever been yeah. in but it did uh, but um, you know, I can't remember what store it was that I had once gone up to in Berkeley, but it had that. There was field. a comics and comics in Berkeley. Then it probably was comics yeah. and comics, and I just don't remember that. Yeah, I was pretty young, but I loved because that. it was both comics and the and, and the C-O-M-I-X, underground spelling. C O M I X. Yes, uh, I didn't. That's go. where they came from. Was Ber- uh, from I, Off yeah. Sather Gate. I didn't go there, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't get comics with an X at that point in my life. But it was just such an incredibly great feeling but it was like a hole in the wall and you know there's a, a sign there was, it's right next to another theater and there was a sign that had Spider-Man and I went oh Orbital and then in the window they had you know we won the Eisner Spirit of Retail so it was closed the first night we walked by it and this the next night that uh, I wanted to see and uh, the next day we walked over and all their comics were up and so I picked up a few things that just said uh, you know, I, I don't want to miss out in case I didn't have this on the pool list. Were there any British imprints? Did you did you see? Did they have twenty? Uh, no, two thousand AD. Or? Oh, they had two thousand AD, but I, I, I was really looking to see if there was something like small Marvel press. UK or or yeah, there oh, yeah, was a, yeah, they had a fantastic small press room. Uh-huh. Go off to the off to the corner of that, and that was really cool. But I I bought mainstream stuff because I just wanted. I was like, it's not on my pool list. I don't want to miss it if I don't get to the comic shop here for another two weeks. So uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a, it was an interesting interesting to see both stores, and then something about this quiet room attracts all the loud people. Only tonight you're not married to them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Any whole gaggle. <laughs> well, that ruined my entire intro thing. Uh, Sorry. No, no, I mean. They, oh, the, the they noise. Did. Yeah. Um, well, you can explain where we are. Yeah. So here we are at the fanzine land, right? But I, I, I was going to say something else about about the place, but uh, it was just cool to see those two stores so close. And uh, interesting about Forbidden Planet. So I bought a, a Doctor Who T-shirt. Uh, yeah. One for the next series. They were really picked over. There's very little Doctor Who stuff. Oh. So a few T-shirts and went, okay. But went to Cambridge and uh, at this really hoity-toity hotel we went into. They said, ooh, like your shirt. Because I was wearing the Doctor Who shirt. Uh, our uh, our punter, uh, the boatman, uh, in the tour said, you know, there was a John Pertwee episode filmed here at Cambridge. Uh but you know Doctor Who's not real, right? You know, and I was like, oh, <laughs> shut up. You know, <laughs> but, but the, clerk at the, the clerk hotel at the hotel said, oh, like your shirt. And I said, yeah, I picked it up at Forbidden Planet in London. And she said, oh, that's great. We have one here. And huh. so she gave me uh, instru- directions to how to get to Forbidden Planet in Cambridge, which would have been great if I had any point of reference as to where we actually were. Right, right, right. We just go to this mall and it's over here. And it's, I, okay. I, but I didn't need to go to go back. But I. But it's nice to, that they have that kind of a slick chain, uh, which, as we've talked about, I don't think we really 
have much like that in Cal in the United States anymore. The chain of comics. I think that would be of comic book stores. Yeah, and there's Midtown Comics in New York. There is a forbi- there is a Forbidden Planet in New, in New York. York. It's next to uh, uh, I, it, the it, Strand bookstore. Yeah, it's just one to call out and to be curious about. Is to is there? I mean, I know like there are two Earth Twos. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two comic bugs down in down in L.A. I wonder if anybody's really expanded past two or maybe three. Uh, stores. Because yeah, you know Brian. Brian was the last one I knew who had Brian multiple had a lot, stores. Well, comics. I mean, comics. Comics was multiple stores. But right. I think they went away before Brian. Well, Brian at one point had three. Yeah. And 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 at two points he had three different stores because he had the one in Palo Alto, and then the one yeah, in El Camino. I remember the one in Palo Alto. And then he had too. Pendragon, and then there was the one that was up in uh, Fremont. You have one. Like somewhere near yeah, Fremont or Mopeda. I, I never mean, went there either. I've been had been to the others. So yeah. anyway, that is interesting. So here we are at Baycon in the Fanzine Lounge, and this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are on episode five eleven. Five one one. Five one one across. Uh, what does that do if you it's dial five one one? It's it, a police code. No, it's not, you know it's like four one one. Like microphones out of control. If you dial five one one, oh. Heaven help you, you get us. So across uh, from the little glass table in the mobile Fanboy Planet podcast lab. The acoustics in here are great. Uh, it feels like we're in an auditorium. I'm Rick Snyder. You know what it is? It's that big glass TV behind you. We actually have one member, an impromptu audience member. That's true. Because we just kind of squat, squatted here. We're squatting. We, we kicked uh, Chuck Surface out. Uh, <laughs> no, he said he wanted to go to a party. That you probably are, we just got to say, uh, Craig Glasner is, is here and uh, he's got the Worldcon 75. So you probably came from that party. Yes. And so it was like a balance of trade that well, no, we no, no, sent no, no. Chuck over there and you came back well, in. Well, no, here. Chuck sent me over here to give you a hard time. Good, good. Yeah. That jerk. No, I I said on a night that, that Chuck won a, a, a Mixie Award for being basically the nicest, kindest guy. We both won fandom. Mixies, haven't we? Yes, but in that, but so have I. But you know, yeah. but see, here's the thing: the Mixie, which is given out by Steve Mix, noted science fiction uh, or zombie fiction author, uh, when he gave them to us, yes, they were just sort of this meaningless award. But he clearly thought about it when he gave it. Oh to yeah, John. they're actually <laughs> like, ours were like stars on a little pro. Yeah, like little I think pedestal. we got. I think we got Mixie Awards for being in the room when he we had got a couple. inaugural Mixie Awards. <laughs> That's true. We got, you know, it's gotten more sophisticated. I think now yeah. there's the choreography and it's, the dance. It's number. so commercial now. I, you see the ads and variety. You know, for your consideration. It's true. We got them. Uh, we got them when it was before uh, they were cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, it, it's been a while. It's been three weeks, three and a half weeks since we've recorded. <laughs> I'm breaking into a bare naked lady song. It's been three, three weeks, weeks since, since we right? recorded the podcast. No, and yeah, <laughs> ten days since you looked at the site, or at least since I did anything with it. But anyway, uh, yeah. So we recorded, and then we took what did you call it last night? The European hiatus. Oh, yeah. In deference to the royal wedding, right. Although I've got to say it was very funny, I was at Elusive and I was talking about. Somebody asked me, "Did I get? Was I there for the wedding?" And I said, "No, we got out a couple of days early." But man, it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about the wedding. And somebody walked by and said, "Yeah, but I think it's all just hype on DC's part." And they thought we were talking about uh, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I said, "I'm pretty sure it's hype on the UK's part too." But you know, it was. 
it's nice to just remember, oh, I spent two weeks in a country where all anybody cared about was that. Even uh, I, I picked up a magazine for my son because they had a Nintendo cover of Salute to the Princess of Mario and Princess Peach oh. uh, doing that. So those were they were subway or, or tube ads everywhere for that. Yeah, the the, the theme of uh, Mario Odyssey is uh, an impending wedding. Yes, so yeah. it was like... It, it, I think the royal family got some sort of licensing deal with Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo. for Mario. So it was like, Very we, we don't really have any any weddings scheduled, but right. we can force it if you need to. I'm uh, waiting promote. for the uh, Meghan Markle, Markle uh, amiibo. All right, I'd get that. Yeah. I, anyway, uh, so we got, I don't really have a top story. It's more like a... So that was uh, it. So much has happened. Yeah, we were there for a wedding. Uh, I mean, I can say that uh, sci-fi related uh, that you know that I did see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and that was an epic. I have no idea how they're if they ever are going to tour it, but uh, it opened on Broadway. But we saw the West End production, and then uh, the happy discovery that there is a Meatloaf musical. Uh, or really, no, 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 I'm sorry, it's Jim Steinman's Bad Out of Hell because right. he he wrote the music. But Meatloaf is referenced throughout the, that whole thing. So there were happy geek accidents as well as seeing Christopher Eccleston play the the Thane of Cawdor and so, later to be known as the Thane of Gloms. And so anyway... So say it like more more, more people aren't going to understand it. Not The Scottish play. We're not in a theater. Can I say No, that? we're not in a theater. Christopher Eccleston, uh, the Ninth Doctor, portraying Macbeth. There you go. Uh, for the Royal Shakespeare Company and that was quite a delight. And uh, so... Uh, let's get into comics, shall we? We should. We should. And speaking of people from the UK, uh, there is what is that beeping? I don't know. I'm is find that out. you or me? <laughs> I think it's me. Okay. Anyway, while well, well, I go there, uh, we do know that DC, uh, after having a successful rebirth, is going to re. I'm not going to say reboot, but they're going to restart some uh, in the wake of Metal, in which. Of course, the source wall was destroyed and all the other multiverses are coming in. And that will be one of my what's in the bags this week. Uh, that that there are some books that just need a, a, a fresh infusion of talent. So the big one is that uh, that Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps is coming to an end. And a new Green Lantern book focused on Hal Jordan will be coming out with so the core itself is not actually coming again no title title, as i said the title book is and i suspect because you never tell with dc i suspect that the well they've ended many times yes uh but i suspect that green lanterns the book about boz and right and uh, was it maria the the, the two i i am sorry i'm behind on reading it so the villains turned green lantern wasn't she? She is. Yeah, she yeah. was Power Ring. She yeah, yeah. Front, uh, so uh, I expect that book's going to come to an end. And Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp, Liam Sharp, of course, doing that fantastic Brave and the Bold miniseries right now, wrapping that up, uh, that they're going to relaunch Green Lantern. And I I was hard-pressed to think about this. And I'm like, I can't believe that of all the t- titles, Grant Morrison hasn't written Green Lantern yet. And... Grant Morrison writing Green Lantern will have to be the most mind-blowing book of 2020, starting in 2018. Yeah. And it'll just carry, it'll take that long for your mind to continue being blown. Because him getting that cosmic with a concept like that is, and Liam Sharp, 
whose artwork on Wonder Woman and that Beauty and the uh, Beauty and the Beast, Brave and the Bold, has been just amazingly, amazingly gorgeous. So that's a book to look forward to. Also, this la- was it just this last week we finally, finally got the last. Shield. Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, oh and, and we got the last shield. Right. Well, not last. It's the, four, the fifth of six. Oh, there's still one more. Yep. Okay. And then they'll but, come out with a graphic novel. But Bendis did not write that. So the point is we yep. fought, we finally have the very last until he gets a better contract back. Iron Man. Uh, the, the last book from Marvel written by Brian Michael Bendis, Iron Man number 600, which you picked up. I did. And yeah. it was... Uh, it was Quite it's it's funny because he had, he had just ended uh, the Spider Man book yeah the previous week I don't know that was like three weeks ago because yeah. before he left for England um and that one wrapped up a bunch of stuff and then this one we got in and, and wrapped around it wrapped some pretty amazing stuff like uh, Tony's actual parents and um. You know, people coming back from the dead. Right. Luckily, I have read far enough into his run yeah. that I know that that, that that was one of the the switches that well, we'd gotten, Tony was we'd adopted. Gotten a, we, they'd stepped into that part, but they actually resolved pretty mm-hmm. much all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a, a cute book. Uh, it was it was it was sprightly written. I really enjoyed uh, some of the things that they did. Was it double sized or extra sized? It was extra sized. It was a I think it was a six dollar book. Yeah. Uh, was a- too bad. Yeah, but it was larger, heavier, bigger, faster. Thicker. Yeah, we could rebuild it. The six million dollar Marvel universe. Yes. So uh, a good send off for Michael Bendis. Brian, nobody calls him Michael. I do. You're wrong. <laughs> so even he calls himself actually Bendis. But anyway, so let's get to what's in the bag. Do we have our bag? I, I don't have my bag. I, I, I left. I, I figured you wouldn't have a bag. I only had two comics Go. that would have been in my bag. The first one is the uh, new Black Panther book. Number one came yeah. out, and that's the one that's going to introduce the 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 uh, Wakandan Galactic Empire. Empire yes, and uh, I didn't. I you know still, this has been such a rush week. I flipped through it, and it looks pretty crazy. So still by Tanahisi Coates. Yes, it and is. Art by Daniel Acuna. That, that right? sounds right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I will go with uh, because it's been three weeks and three issues have come out. No justice. Uh huh. The Justice League. Uh, How are you liking it? It's just goofy it's, it's and great. Weird. That's what I was hoping was going to happen in the wake of metal. Favorite like, character? Starro. Yes, <laughs> you're right. Starro the Conqueror, who like who is so snide, and and the maniacal laughter of Starro the Conqueror getting thrown at a Titan, basically. Yeah, uh, not a Teen Titan, but it's interesting because I was definitely before they announced when they first announced the four teams. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, do I need this? Yeah. But this is, I make this recommendation because it's exactly what this kind of book needs to be. Four issues. The story that at least is launching this concept is done. We'll make a nice, neat little Graphic inexpensive novel. trade paperback. Yeah. And it is just a crazy, loony idea. Just as if you read Dark Knight Metal number six and you put on Northern Song uh, by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> the lyrics go and, all and, and, Well, but you just go, when Batman is in shining armor riding a Joker-faced dragon, all you can hear is, ah! <laughs> and, and I'm listening to this book is literally metal. Scott Snyder did what it, yeah. And then when they said, well, something bad's coming, we're going to need to form this team. And there was, I think, a preview panel in that of Starro going, ha! 
<laughs> I think Throw so. me at him. And that Starro is even like, is just teasing Justice Leaguers. It makes you want to buy a big panel van so you could have that dragon with Batman on the back of it. Uh, no, actually, the there side. is nothing that makes me want to buy a big panel van in oh, the 21st just, just century. Oh, just yeah. No. No. Uh, Clearly, you do ride around with Northern Song Blast. You have what do you what do you what do you call that? Uh, Too much time and too much money. Uh, You know, it's. I have an Odyssey. I have a 2000 Odyssey. I could get repainted. I'm not going to be happy when you do, but you're going to do it. I know because on the roof. Because okay. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, it's very. It's a as these crossovers tend to be. It's a bunch of different writers. It's a bunch of different artists to get it done in four weeks, but. It's team ups you never thought you'd you'd have. And did you I, read the point where they where um, on on the team Batman's on and Batman's giving some orders and, and the other guys go Batman thinks he's in charge. Yeah, and he says oh, I am in charge, and they look and they go No, you're not. No, it's, <laughs> it's and they're kind of trying to define in quick in quick strokes uh, Martian Manhunter again. They're all dressed as if this is going to be an amazing action figure line. Right, because they've all got got Brainiac's armor. But here's the high praise is somebody asked my son recently, like, are you still reading comics? He goes, well, I fell behind. So only if it's really special. And so I had brought, I meant to bring issue two. I happened to have, because I bought it in England, issue one with me in my bag. And issue three. So I said, okay, this morning I said, here, while I do a panel, you, uh, here's issue one of No Justice. I think you want to read it. I got back in the room and he goes, you have number two, right? <laughs> you know, first thing. So he, he's it's caught a book up that it. caught it, that caught, yeah. got him, caught, you know, caught him up. Yeah. yeah. So. And I can't remember any of the books. We, like we said, I, I've set two aside. I can't even remember what the second one I set aside was. <laughs> I mean, there was there was the usual gamut of good-looking uh, Star Wars titles this week. Um, and last week there was challenges. Oh, that was what I did. I, now I remember it was. It was, uh, it was the second issue of the adaptation of uh, Last Jedi, um, which has Leia on the cover, uh, gesturing mm-hmm. almost as if she's ready to fly. Um but uh, you know, it's it's which for me, it's been it's every time I see an issue of mm-hmm. uh, the movie adaptations for Star Wars, I hesitate. I think, do I really need to buy this? Because it's the comics tend to these comics tend to be lesser stories than what we already know from the movies. You know, there's there's nothing yeah. really brought out in it. No, you, no, I, I agree with you. It's we're past the uh, for those listening. Rick and I just did a panel on outlasting the Jedi and the idea of sorry. We were talking about the Marvel comics, and you think about the days when the the movie adaptations served a point. There were a way of re, re, revisiting it without and when you go to VCRs the, when you go to the original New Hope comic, which was just called Star Wars. And there was that Biggs scene because they were working off a script right. before there was a final edit. Right, right. And so this will still be my my question out to the universe because The Shape of Water just did this too, is why, what purpose do these serve? So The Last Jedi novel and the comics adaptation came out months after The Last Jedi. Yeah. And I mentioned The Shape of Water has a novelization that came out in April as well. And... Why? What? What purpose does that serve now? When you when you have the Blu-ray, or or the DVD, whatever level of media you're buying, are you ever going to open that comic again? You can watch it anytime. Yeah. 
Whereas, yes, in 1977, we read those comics to over death. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you about the um, Ant Man and the Wasp pre- yes, prelude book? Yeah, yeah, you did. On, on we did that on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I said I'll reach back one week for one more of the post metal books, which was the new Challengers of the Unknown. Oh yeah, that was good. I I had mixed emotions about it. I thought great yeah. art. I, and I liked the concept. It was just now you... Ha- I'm not so sure I feel cool with the idea that there have been like thousands of challengers. I, that was that was part where I would have liked them to have left that out and just be a reboot of the concept instead of re- I think I would have rejiggering history. If they hadn't said that the original team that we knew that the was the best of big them. Big statues and instead stuff. Instead of what it is now is really uh, Strikeforce Moratori. You know what it reminded me of, though? And you're right. The the, the whole death sentence kind of thing is yeah. true. But it reminded me of when I discovered Challengers, about the same time I was, was catching up on, oh, Secret Six, the original run of Secret Six. Yes, way back Which when. was a mystery as to the organization they were in. And there's obviously some mystery aspects to the Challengers. Listen to the Mockingbird. Organization, yeah, yes. the Mockingbird. And... Um, and it, the uh, the secret sixes that have come since then have never been the same kind of uh, of real. Um, none of them were super powered. It was a, re- a mystery as to who the person who was pulling their strings was. It one of the people on the team or not? And um, you know this this feels a lot like that to me. Yeah, and, and to go back on that history, did the original series of Secret Six reveal who Mockingbird was? I don't was? think it did. I think they reve- I think they worked it out in a later... I think in, they in went back some, in some generation title, down. Like maybe but, in a, a Brave and the Bold or something, yeah, or a maybe. World's Finest. Because World's Finest tended to be a little more continuity-driven, or, or to the larger continuity than Brave and the Bold, which was its absolute own, yeah. own continuity. And then and I then, found out years later, there was, in, in the, back in the Pulp magazines, there was a Pulp title called secret six and it, I, it's one of those it, as a title is kind of low-hanging fruit yeah. like it just it rolls off the tongue it was the alliteration of yeah. it was a great it's a great title so yeah. uh, let's go not secret six but deadpool 2 let's talk some movies did you saw Deadpool did. Two, right I we did. talked about this so um yes <laughs> deadpool 2 a it's it's interesting. I I don't think it was as strong as the first, but I think it's only because if uh, what happened with Deadpool one was so like I can't believe they did this. Right. I I did think of you uh, when the title sequence of Deadpool two went through uh-huh. with being such a James Bond homage. Yes. And yet still doing the Deadpool. It's like did they re- what seriously what yeah. And also, very clever sequence in that, yes, by, by the way, uh, for those listening, uh, the microphone is located over a stack, a mountain it's of, a pile. of fun-size Butterfingers and Baby Ruth. So anybody who walks by the fancy lounge may just, they don't want to listen to the podcast. They are here they want to come candy. for the candy, yeah. absolutely. Come for the podcast. And that's probably the, the safest time that that phrase has ever been used. So... <laughs> Anyway, you know, they, they, they call back when they said written by the real villains because they were the real heroes right. in Deadpool 1. They were credited that way. So, uh, lazy in some parts, inter- which they call Incredibly out. Incredibly meta, meta in that fact. Yes and no. I mean, some of it was and some of it was, no, it really was kind of lazy writing. Yeah, no, but, sure. Yeah. But it was still a very satisfying film. 
I thought that we had watched Deadpool one the night before, mm-hmm. and it it didn't have the same energy that the that the first movie did. I mean, it, it what it felt like is when they actually got into a gag, they would push it and push it and push it more than they did in the first movie. I think that's true, and I think Ryan Reynolds has said that too that he feels that if they do go forward with a Deadpool three, yeah, that. He wants to get back to having almost having his budget cut, yeah. Because a lot of the creativity of the first film was literally like the reason that he left his his bag of of guns in the cab, or left it at home in the fir- in the first movie, yeah, is because they had literally run out of money for, for the, the gunplay for the squibs and stuff. Yeah, for, yeah, so they went okay, you know. So this is our solution call attention yet this one there are jokes that absolutely benefit from the fact that they had the budget to do that cameos like crazy some i'll be honest there's one that i missed entirely i won't put i won't say on uh, you know in case listeners haven't are you talking about the when the door opened up and then it closed no again? no no no, no, no. I, I got that that was hilarious yeah no there's a celebrity cameo that i had no idea was a celebrity cameo but I don't want okay. you know I, 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 off the mic. It's a potential spoiler. Yeah, but I I recognize two. I missed one, and that's what was uh, just uh, hilarious there. I think I think the scripting has to be smarter next time. Just literally no, has to be. Smarter. I would agree with that because I don't think that it's an excuse to say lazy writing as a joke as yeah, a punchline. Yeah. Write a smarter. Unless you're actually ripping on Rob Liefeld, as they did in a couple of places, which was funny. And I, I would say that probably not the best, but certainly one of my favorite post credit scenes with respect to co- the continuation of the story. Yes, yes. Let us go leave it that. Yeah. Now, you know, the question had been, what is the future of all this? And it is... It is news and noteworthy to say that this week, the entire concept that Disney may actually get Fox and, re- and regain control of, or take control of the X franchise has been thrown into doubt because Comcast slash Universal, no, it is just Comcast, but, yeah. but they own NBC Universal. Has one of the personalities in their head is Universal. Well, that's, you know, we haven't said it that way, but it, but it's. And what's really weird is anyway they've they've put in that they have said that they will that they will make a credible bid and try to outbid Disney, and it's not even that the movie studio is what anybody wants. Mm-hmm. They want Sky TV in England, so I, or in the UK. Both of them do. Both of them do. Oh. Originally, Disney didn't want Sky. That wasn't going to be part of it, and now. Oh, and now okay. that's both on the it's on the table for both. So I'm kind of hoping there could be a compromise, and that they could carve it up yeah. if they can't out really outbid each other. It will be interesting. Uh, I had to mention today that AT and T, Time Warner, are in a potential merge, and Comcast has said if that does not get approved by the U.S. government, then they won't pursue Fox. Yeah. But I don't know why they would think that. AT&T uh, that the Disney would be approved for it if AT&T and Time Warner don't get to merge. Yeah, it, it's really I think it's more an emphasis. I mean Disney and ABC, uh, but 
you think ABC is really that key to their entertainment strategy to their long term? Because I don't think any commercial television, any broadcast television, is key to anybody's no, entertainment that's, strategy. I mean, it's 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 a convenient thing right now, but it, soon they'll just be replaced by servers. You know. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's dismissive. I, I I and I don't mean to be glib about it because. I think this is one of our tech bubbles. I think there's still a, enough of a, of the population that is dependent on the airwaves. True. And we're just used to, we pay for our cable, we pay for our streaming services. I would say, uh, let me put it a different way. They will be um, not just available through broadcast. It will also be, everything will be available through streaming. And in some cases already is because if you have Xfinity right now, you can get all that stuff. Sure. But streaming. what I, I'm but saying Disney is, will, is, Disney is, can, is the people that don't have, that are dependent on their antenna. Right. They don't have streaming services. No. Either. And, and I'm not, that's what I'm saying. It's not, they're, they're, yeah. they're not going to be cut out and say, well, you know, Goodbye, flyover country. You, you don't get any TV. Oh, yeah, nobody, nobody wants that because yeah. then they'll realize they've been, you know, they'll yep. rise up. Yep. That'll be the torches and pitchforks. Rise up. All the Star Wars news that's fit to talk about. Not just that Solo, oh, and I, I will not spoil the thing because somehow I managed to schedule that I would see Solo before the convention. You did not get to. No, I'll see it tomorrow. Until tomorrow. Yeah. It has opened, and they say, with a... I know I sound ridiculously derisive by this, but saying that it's a disappointment to have opened at 114.5 million. But who said that? Did Disney say that? Yeah, that's the uh, that's Disney said it was a but disappointment. It's, but it's still uh, no. I don't think they characterize it as, because they're not going to spin it one way or the no. other. But it but it is the lowest opening sin uh, of a Star Wars film, uh, even lower than Rogue One. Okay. And Rogue One was in the Christmas time period that they thought for sure. Now there may be Star Wars fatigue, but I mean, this movie fatigue. But right? I don't. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I don't think that 114 million dollars in an opening weekend is. I'll take to, it. Is something to sneeze at, and also, I will say, let's give it a give it room to breathe. I think Solo has legs. It's. I think people didn't have much interest going in. So word in. of mouth will catch up with it. I think word of mouth will catch up because it's a strong film. It is one of the strongest. Star Wars films that have been made. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. I don't like to really rank other than saying that first, that Phantom Menace is at the bottom no matter how we slice it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're safe with that. But the other films, it's like I, I don't want to choose a favorite. But Solo, if I had to, Solo would actually be high up there, and I did not expect that at all. Uh-huh. So... That is cool. There are moments that I you feel like, oh, that's a Lord and Miller punchline, maybe, but I don't know. Maybe that was in Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan's script. I don't know. But to go along with it, Lucasfilm did announce that we've got a Boba Fett solo film yes, in development. Yes. Uh, from and now I'm blanking again on the name. We uh, that uh, it's the guy who wrote and directed Logan. So I. Uh, Someone will scream at the podcast yes. for this. Louder, please. Uh, yes, I can't hear it. But I did remember it in the panel earlier, and now I'm just completely out of that. I only know because I read your Facebook post. And Stephen Daldry is supposed to be developing an Obi-Wan Kenobi solo film. Last week, Lucasfilm said, oh, yeah, there will definitely be a Lando film because Donald Glover, of course, kills it as Lando. I would be, I, I'm actually pretty excited about an Obi-Wan Kenobi 
movie if if it if it's what I think it would be, which would be after Order sixty six went out and Kenobi goes into hiding, but then he has to do something without giving oh, himself no, no. away. I think it absolutely has to be post Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And I think they've set up oh thank you, James Mangold. Uh what is your name, sir? Eric. Eric, who came into the fanzine lounge and was listening to us. It's our tag team audience. You did exactly what I always say. I say to him, I was like, if only I had some sort of device that could access some sort of website and tell me. Um, but yes, that uh, James Mangold, who wrote and directed Logan, uh, will, be doing, <laughs> will, will be doing Boba Fett. But uh, I think the Obi-Wan Kenobi is, they've established so much with Obi-Kenobi Oh, Obi Obi Kenobi, Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi. In I think he showed up in Rebels too, uh, not not as a regular, but so they've been doing little touch points yeah. with him all along. Ewan McGregor is clearly older. I think at this point everybody would want Ewan McGregor fine. to come back yeah. and and play the role. And uh, so because he actually had to be aged before, and now it'd be a little less right. And less I and, and, and I think that what Solo does is set up that the Star Wars universe can be something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. There will be threads that tie things together, and those threads are not called Skywalker. They are other elements that could lead, weave in and out of a Lando movie, could weave in and out of a Boba Fett movie without really being much solo. Mm -hmm. I don't think I... I don't need a solo two, but if they do a solo two, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I just think they're better off creating the Star Wars Avengers and you know having the developing right, right, solo right. Ca- developing separate characters that then can cross paths in one epic finish. I'd like to break Star Wars out of the trilogy pattern and see what happens. Yeah, I think that would be very good for storytelling. Just yeah. just to say, okay, I mean. You don't need three movies to tell an epic epic story. You can tell an epic story in two hours and fifteen minutes. But not in the way Hollywood's thinking, and that's and that's the bad thing. I think the trilogy concept has kind of ruined a lot of movie making. But yeah. on the flip side, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did, even though like Thor and Iron Man and Captain America sort of loosely formed trilogies, hmm. loosely, but they were all contracted that way, right? I think it's more interesting that you've got Ant-Man, you've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it's not necessarily, I don't know that there'll be a third, but Ant-Man will be in other, and the Wasp will be in other films. Black Panther is in other films, and that's that's the way that I think Star Wars should go. Yeah, but I mean, with a trilogy, with the films, like three films that are slightly connected, it's you could watch any one of those without right. the others and not miss anything. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, over the Hall of Justice, uh, in Warner Brothers, while we were gone, while we were out, uh, apparently Warner Brothers has dropped the concept of doing Flashpoint, but they are still going to do a Flash movie. Okay. So, don't anybody tell me that at any point in any convention when Warner Brothers has gotten up and said, this is definitely what we're doing with the DC Universe, that they had any clue or thought about it. More There's, than a day before they did the presentation. No, no, not at all. And yeah. they, their sign-off on that is like imaginary. No, I mean, why do Flashpoint? Because you've already you, you've done it in the comics enough, and you've you've done it in the Flash TV show for multiple seasons. So doing a movie about Flashpoint—that's just 
Well, you get a bigger budget. It's uh, it's still ridiculous. It wasn't that strong a storyline to begin with. Oh, bite your tongue. I agree with you, but bite your tongue. The gods of, that, no, the gods of DC are listening. Uh, the the up on high on Mount Olympus, Jeff Johns is just cringing at us. Uh, I I agree. I don't see the point of it, other than it would have been cool to see uh, Thomas Wayne. The the casino Batman right uh, be there, but you know I would just say give me that Elseworlds because the the best part about Flashpoint is that Batman Joker relationship. What happened if Bruce is the one yeah. who died? And I think honestly, moviegoers have gotten because everybody's become fans. They've gotten sophisticated enough that you could just tell that story, mm-hmm. and I'll bet that would do well. But you know, there's still. They're still moving forward. Obviously, you know we have Aquaman coming. We apparently there was a glimpse at uh, a, a cinema convention for uh, for exhibitors uh, of Aquaman, and so in a costume closer to the orange and green. Yeah, we got a still po- see the tats. A poster. Well, if you just look, that yeah. they got a budget for everything, but make they can digitally erase Henry Cavill's beard, but they <laughs> cannot cover the tats, especially underwater. But we also got a poster, even though they haven't officially released it. Zach Zachary Levi tweeted out a yes. picture of himself in front of the Shazam, and yes. I I told Stephen Libby today uh, because in Cinema Blend he got to go to the set. Of, of Shazam ah. and Zachary Levi signed his baseball cap and I told him today I said you are the only friend I have on Facebook that gives me FOMO and I'm going to mug you for that cap <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know uh, <laughs> so we've at least seen the look and, and it is funny I think a, a discussion perhaps later is one, uh, my, one of my nieces Posted somebody's tweet about is DC trying to do their their version of Deadpool and she's like does nobody know Captain Marvel because I refuse to call him Shazam I don't mean to mock her voice you know well I get it you I'm know, lost <laughs> it was a it was that picture of Zachary Levi with a, with the big gulp as right, Captain Marvel right. sipping but he's not Captain Marvel he's Shazam but my niece somebody had tweeted out is DC doing their version of Deadpool because it was like. I, I don't know why they got that. It looked like it was irreverent. And she said, does nobody know who so. Captain Marvel is? Yeah. And then she says, I refuse to call him Shazam because his name is Captain Marvel. And I said, has nobody read the original comics? And I said, no. The comics that you love, and bless her heart, that her father, uh, my my brother-in-law, gave her like the, the, uh, the showcase DC. edition. Yeah, okay. And I said, the comics that you love haven't really been produced by DC since the 70s. Yeah. The 1970s, by the way, since I know we're in another century now. <laughs> uh, since the 1970s. And even though there have been uh, flashes and touches of it, the like the Roy Thomas, Tom Mandrake ser- miniseries was kind of odd, but at least it was still sort of Billy and Captain Marvel the way we'd imagine it. The Power of Shazam that Jerry Ordway did, I think, is really the only time that someone has done an update right. that made sense. Although now, We all had trouble with it a little bit. Jeff Smith's uh, Shazam versus the Monster Society of Evil... Entirely different story. ...was, was yeah. probably the... But it's, but it's a... It's, it's closer a, to the... It's a deluxe graphic novel that most people... Yeah. But the reality is, the person that thinks that that's Deadpool 
that is their version of Deadpool is someone who hasn't read a comic book. Yeah. Because that's the other thing I'd say about Deadpool is everybody gives, and no offense to Rob Liefeld, but everybody gives him credit for creating this great character who literally in Teen Titans go to the movies, the joke is called out when they walk in. Have you seen the trailer? And he wa- they walk in and they see uh, Deathstroke because they realize that DC, Warner Brothers will not make a movie about them until they have an arch enemy. And so they they go searching for Deathstroke. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Slade and he said, and they go, "Oh, you're Deadpool." And he says, "No, I was here first. I was created first. I'm Slade." And the whole reason is it's Slade Wilson and Wade Wilson, right? Because Rob Liefeld was in his. Well, he's always been in his. I'm just going to imitate what's come before and and change a couple of letters. Deadpool, the personality that people love, the character was brought on by. Right, other writers who came in and really and really fleshed it out. So, where are we with Shazam? Is that there is that I just don't think any that comics readers have to accept that the fans of these movies not only have never read a comic, they may never read a comic. Yeah, yeah, like and that's too. okay. And their fandom, is, <coughs> their fandom is valid. It's just yeah, it's just limited. Yeah, so. so let's go to TV where where the things we love are saved. I it's not sci- <laughs> it's not science fiction, but it ties into science fiction. Thank while you, I, Jeff Bezos. While I was in England, uh, the the great tragedy for for Stephanie and myself was the cancellation of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh-huh. So we went to bed upset that Brooklyn Nine Nine had been canceled, and the, and Mark Hamill saved it. And he tweeted out, and Lynn Manuel Miranda said, "This is one of the four things we watch. This is the best TV show." And it sounds like Lynn Manuel Miranda and Mark Hamill hang out all the time. They don't, but you know, but they were both. And NBC picked it up and saved it for one more one more season, which I do think Brooklyn Nine Nine, like The Good Place, is one of the absolute best shows on television. Another one that I like, though I am way behind, is. The Expanse, which mm-hmm. was canceled by Sci-Fi, I'm like, why were you doing that? This was the show giving you critical acclaim as a network again, credibility for doing science fiction again, and or and maybe Jeff, for the first time. No, you can't say that. You get, Battlestar Galactica, Twelve Monkeys has been great. Uh, okay, F- Flash Gordon. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> boy, you are really time lagged, aren't you? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I know. Doesn't sci-fi run the magicians? I know that's not science fiction; it's fantasy. But yes, they do. But I've heard that the magicians is fantastic. Oh no, I like the magicians. Yeah, so there are plenty of shows on sci-fi that are great, but it is weird that the one that is really the critical darling right now and the darling of fandom was the one they were going to let go. Right. But this is the how the sausage is made. They don't produce it themselves. Right. They just buy it from somebody else. So I think that played a decision. Anyway, Amazon picked it up because they're streaming the previous seasons anyway. So Amazon has saved it for a fourth season. And this is how big a fan Jeff Bezos is. He had to make the announcement personally that he had stepped in to save the nice. expanse. He wanted to. He, he wanted. wanted to. Yeah, I mean. No, please. You know, He's like Panos. He just goes. It's and, saved. And suddenly from dust. The, <laughs> the <laughs> but, Amazon gauntlet brings the expanse back to life. Yeah, the, um. Bringing it back and bringing it back to Amazon is is uh, bringing it to Amazon is nice for it too because there's a lot of uh, I, th- I think it's still toned down a little bit from uh, from what it could be being on um, sci-fi well being on a uh, on not basic cable but 
extended cable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. I I think it's great. And we talked, the last time we recorded, we were talking about what is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going to do if it is renewed in the wake of Avengers Infinity War? Like, how would they handle the right solution? Not only has it been renewed, but it's actually not going to come back until next summer after After. Avengers 4 has been released. Right. So they can just, yes, okay. So happy to see that. Let's get all that production done ahead of time. I think it's going to be the last season. I think that's been announced as well. And that's not a bad run. Oh, six seasons and a movie and a, and you know, hashtag <laughs> six seasons and a movie, six six shields and a movie, and I think that's that's great. And Phil Coulson, you know, Clark Gregg is going back to being Captain Marvel anyway, so he got another movie. So it, it's all fine and dandy. Krypton was uh, renewed by Sci-Fi as well, so you know it it's not a bad time. Oh, and Gotham got renewed, but with the promise that this too resolves Gotham. Uh, that the next season is the last season that they've yeah. gone crazy. They're going to no man's land. Uh, they're going to take. Are I, they going to take Gotham down? No, they and yeah, and they promise that uh, whatever his name is, the young boy playing Bruce Wayne. I guess he's not a young boy anymore. He's probably a, close to seventeen, 17 or, 18. or eighteen. Yeah, it's going to end with him being Batman. Yeah. So put on the cowl and the silhouette and, clunk, and yeah. then turn off the lights. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Lucifer was canceled, so people are very upset about that, but. To me, that just means we're now free for Lucifer to join DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Since Constantine Holy is, moly. Well, they, were, they had been talking about that Constantine... They were open to having Constantine show up on Lucifer because right. it made sense. Right. But now that Constantine is a regular on the on on Legends. Legends of Tomorrow, why not just have a one little quick... Crossover from Lucifer and freak out. I think everybody. it'd be fine. It'd be fine to have a quick crossover. I think that'd be. No, I don't think you should be a regular. Awesome. I should okay. Yeah, I've got a little trouble with being. And they because they did announce also that uh, Batwoman is going to show up on Arrow. Oh, so wow. I don't know if they're going to wow. say that means there's going to be a Batman, but uh, they will go that far. So Gotham City will get more firmly established in the Arrowverse. So, because they in in the early seasons, they kind of danced around yeah. talking about it. They haven't yeah. they haven't done that lately, I, right? I think yeah. there was a reference to Wayne Tech, and then there was one of the villains that Arrow faced. They sort of said that his father might have been a villain on Gotham. Hmm. They didn't want to make it clear. I think it was the Dollmaker. That there was a father said, well, it could have been that was just, if Gotham takes place maybe twenty years earlier than the rest of the shows. Yeah, so it's possible. I think it'll be interesting to watch what the CW Arrowverse does in the next year, especially when I think she's going to supposed to show up in their in the next big crossover. So how do you oh, how do you top? Crisis on Earth X? That one was the best one. Best, no, best. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how do you top it? Is maybe you bring the Bat family into the into the Arrowverse? That that'll get eyes. That'll get attention. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's really uh, all to catch up for right now. 
and we got parties to go to. So thank you all for listening. You know, up top, I didn't do all my commercial stuff. So hey, if there's anything we talked about that uh, you would like to get for your very own and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store, there is an Amazon link on each and every page of Fanboy Planet, a search box, and we get a small kickback from that. Sometimes we also have direct links to items specifically that we talk about. Sometimes. And... And of course, if uh, you happen to see, also there are, there is a, a link to Think Geek, and if you want to get some really good geeky stuff for the summer, and you want to head over there, we also are affiliated with Think Geek, and we get a small uh, remuneration from that. And of course, if you would just like to help defray the cost of hosting a podcast on a website, uh, if you're not hosting one yourself, I guess, uh, write it. You know, you can go to PayPal and donate through editor at fanboyplanet.com. And of course, if you have any questions, comments. Compliments, commentary, criticism. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I don't think anybody had while I was gone, and but if I if that did happen, I apologize because normally we do read emails on the air. Next time. And you can find us also, you can follow us on Facebook on the page, which is Fanboy Planet. You can tweet at us at uh, Fanboy Planet, and there's also an Instagram uh, page, which I did post a Red Room photo. From on Instagram last night, uh, last so night's parties. at Fanboy Planet, yeah, the Red Room party, which the owls were cuter than they seemed. It was uh, quite quite a fun fun time. So again, we are here at Baycon. What is our next convention? I don't know. I get Worldcon, Worldcon in, in, in August, in August, August sixteenth so, through twentieth. There will be, of course, uh, a Comic Con in between, but I think I'm alone there. It'll be so cold and lonely. Oh. And no, it'll, I'll be so tired. Anyway, so we'll see what comes out of that. And, of course, we'll be uh, back on a more regular podcasting schedule. Uh, and I think we'll be having some interesting guests in the next couple of weeks. I think, uh, by the way, I'm just going to say, on the air, we need to reach out to David Avaloni again because, of course, he's writing Zorro. Oh, yeah. and, he's writing uh, Zorro and um, Elvira. Elvira, but uh, I don't think you saw this comics announcement. One, I, I believe, one of your favorite artists uh, is I do doing covers for his Zorro. Michael Kaluta. Michael Kaluta, yeah, is is doing covers for his Zorro. Uh, Michael Lindner is uh, doing Elvira covers. Yes, yes. Yeah. So no, it's not Dynamite. It's American. Uh, it's not American Gothic Press for Zorro. Uh, for Zorro, yeah. yeah. Elvira's Dynamite, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, but that's, that's, that's just... Uh, He's a lucky boy. He's gotten some great titles. He's gotten some... Great artists. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, we'll be looking for some guests in the next... Uh, bringing some guests on in the next couple of weeks. So, in the meantime, I'm Derek McCaw. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to... Use, use your powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.